0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As the federal government shutdown drags on, more consequences are becoming evident. That includes the many ways a shutdown affects the least economically secure Americans. SNAP, WIC, EITC, these are all federal programs that have a direct impact on low-income households. And if the government continues not to operate it could make recipients of those programs even more vulnerable than they already are. That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today, talking about the effects of the shutdown. And joining us to talk about that is Gilda Jacobs. She is president and CEO of the Michigan League for Public Policy. Gilda, welcome to Good Detroit morning. Today. Good morning. Thank right. you. Uh, Thank thanks you. for joining us. Uh, so sure, let's, let's start with that list of Programs I just talked about, uh, uh, the benefits that they have to low-income households, how vulnerable are they uh, now that the government is shut down, and especially if the shutdown continues and more parts of the government are affected?
1: Sure. So let me first say that I I just think that people need to understand the angst and uncertainty that... People are having and experiencing, just not even knowing what might happen to their food assistance or their federal housing or or rent subsidies. Um, you know, these are like really really important um, services for people's lives day to day. So um, there's just a, you know a lot of uh, a, a lot of anxiety over what's going to really happen to me. So you know, one thing that we're very concerned about is is SNAP food assistance. We've got. Over uh, 1.2 million people in Michigan that use that use SNAP. It's like one in seven people. Uh, many of those um, many of those people are kids, and um, where there seems to be um, uh, enough enough um, money to go through February. Um, thank God. <laughs> um, the you know we don't know what what's going to happen after that. So. Um, there really needs to be put in place some, some uh, long-term plan for funding SNAP if, if the shutdown continues uh, through the end of February. Now, what we're seeing is that many of um, sort of the food assistance partners out there, Focus Hope is one of them, for example, um, they're using their emergency money and emergency food um, to be able to provide um, food to to uh, folks that that need it, and there is one program actually that um, you know that is running out of uh, money for these it's boxes that go to, to seniors. Um, but when you think of an emergency, uh, in my mind, it should not the. the, the the, the emergency provisions that nonprofits have should not be because there is a sort of self-imposed a crisis by by the, the the Fed as opposed to a real crisis in somebody's in somebody's life um, because I don't think that's really what um those um uh services were really meant to to provide for not because the government is a, is at a standoff so you know we've got food we've got um um we're not, you know people are not sure As I I mentioned about federal housing and rental subsidies, uh, we're entering into the coldest time of of the year, again, so people risk losing their place to to live. And then we have to look at the earned income tax credit um, refunds that so many uh, low-income folks depend on uh, to get back at this time of year, to catch up with medical bills, maybe to buy that new set of tires that their car needs. uh, perhaps a catch-up on rent payments. And um, we've got three-quarters of a million uh, Michigan families that receive this earned income tax credit. So if that doesn't come because there are shortages of IRS staff, um, it really helps, um, uh, it really doesn't help them make ends meet. Uh, and also the, the earned income tax credit puts close to $2 billion back into our economy. So there's truly a ripple Effect of, of you know what What could happen here
0: mm-hmm. uh, So when the government Steps away from this space because Of something like a shutdown Who is it who's asked to step up To help and is there enough help To make sure that people Aren't, aren't so bitterly affected By it
1: um, Is there enough help Boy that's <laughs> I guess <laughs> it really depends On how long this shutdown Would happen uh, Would last um, I think there is help out there, but again, um, the, the way the budgets are set up for, uh, for the agencies and organizations that are there to help people that are in trouble, it, it, their budgets are not based on the fact that a government shutdown is, you know, is, is happening. So I personally think that there could be a longer-term effect on the budgets of, of these organizations that are set up to help people that, that uh, are in crises. Um, and you know, I, I you know, I it, it just really bothers me personally that you know that whether it's the president or some of the others that are um, uh, really digging in their heels around this, where people are you know the people are are um, somewhat pawns in this political game, games, gamesmanship. Mm. The, the very people, the very uh, policymakers that are doing this, I have never had a problem um, whether they're going to put food on their table or decide how they're going to uh, use their, their income to you know, buy food or pay rent or, or, or pay for their medical bills. Um, the reality is that people should supersede any of this political gamesmanship, and people are, are going to be directly affected
0: by this. Uh, when we talk about the, uh, the the vulnerable people who are uh, potentially affected, um, uh, do do you do you, are, are there parts of the government that won't ever shut down and leave people in the lurch? I mean, is it structured in a way to protect the most vulnerable people from this kind of thing, or is ultimately everybody who depends on government for some service? Uh, potentially a victim
1: potentially again, it depends on how uh, how long this lasts. Um, I think that there are certain parts of the government that will always be funded because um, they 're concerned for for the safety of um, of our residents. but in terms of sort of these kind of essential services, I think that there 's definitely some concern, a major concern um, that those services are going to um, Uh, dry up for a while Um, and so it's like school lunches and breakfast and and the WIC program Um, but also it's not just low income folks we have in Michigan federal workers close to 6,000 federal workers most of them in southeast Michigan who live paycheck to paycheck and their own livelihoods are are being affected by this their families are at risk Um, and um, you know we we, we we passed a policy years ago, which um, I think I've mentioned on this show many times before, an asset test on food assistance. Mm-hmm. When something like this happens and you think that people would might, might, because of this policy that we have in Michigan, be forced to, uh, go into savings um, before they could receive food assistance because the government is involved in political gamesmanship over a wall um, is is so disturbing to me. It, it's just it's outrageous, hmm. honestly.
0: Hmm. I also wonder what you're hearing from lawmakers who are in the middle of this deliberation. Uh, do they realize the impact of the shutdown? on uh, vulnerable classes of people uh, and, I, and I'm really curious about uh, you know the, the the partisan divide here. are you hearing different things from Democratic lawmakers than, than Republicans?
1: You know I mean I, I, I'm only hearing what I'm reading to be honest with you I'm not um, I've not had a direct conversation with um, uh, any of our lawmakers um, right now. Uh, but I would hope for folks that just got, uh, elected or re-elected, um, that that this would resonate with them, um, and you know, and I, while I understand in the politics of this, I I can only continue to think about the the people that you know have got to, and excuse the expression, Trump, <laughs> uh, some of these bad these bad policies, um, because we're in the business. Government should be in the business of uh, of helping people.
0: Okay, Gilda Jacobs, President and CEO of the Michigan League for Public Policy. It is always really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Great. Thanks, Steve. Okay, we're going to pivot now and talk a little more about uh, these vulnerable populations with Philip Knight, who is the Executive Director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, which has efforts underway to help federal workers who are affected by the partial government shutdown. Philip Knight, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: So we were just talking about SNAP and WIC, other programs like that. Um, uh, how are food assistance programs that are beyond those programs affected by the shutdown and our shelters, food pantries, and other services also facing uh, uh, dire consequences?
2: Well, we we certainly have our pulse on this, and like many of us, um, we we feel like that uh, since this is the third shutdown of this administration, that we see this as a reckless negotiation tool that affects lots of innocent people. Um, and so we we wish there was another way and, and that our leaders on both sides of the aisle, the White House and the Congress, would hold themselves to a higher standard uh, for leadership and uh, getting things done. But we have our pulse. Uh, we're taking the pulse of this of. Uh, uh, daily, if not hourly, so that um, as it develops and, and uh, we're going to be ready to stand in the gap for the people who need us, particularly with food assistance. And we know that there's 800,000 federal uh, employees that are furloughed now and about five to 6,000 of those here in Michigan and most of those here in the southeast part of the state. And so we have uh, Gleaners and Forgotten harvests, and the United Way and the Michigan Department of Education working together to find a plan that can uh, stand alongside of those folks and uh, make sure that they have food on the table.
0: Hmm. Uh, when we talk about vulnerable populations who rely on government programs for things like, like food, uh, I, I think in a lot of people's minds, that doesn't include government workers themselves who, because mm-hmm. of a shutdown, are, are not getting checks. Uh, are, are we likely to see an increase in volume when it comes to people who need food assistance due to the shutdown because there are going to be government workers in that position who weren't before?
2: Yeah, so we have some 40 million plus um, Americans who struggle with food insecurity every day. And, uh, and so what we're, what, depending on how long this goes, um, it, we're going to add another 800,000 and their families to that as well. Um, and so we have to, again, this is the third shutdown of this administration. So it it's kind of the, seems like it's the modus operandi. And we have to adjust to that to make sure that we're ready to meet the need of the people, regardless of what the politics are. Um, we wish it wasn't like that, but it is. So we have to deal with the reality that's in front of us. Yeah.
0: Uh, and when you talk about the idea of government workers being in that, uh, in that position, you know, maybe it's temporary. But I think one of the fears always is that a hiccup like this, if you are somebody who's low income, can push you over the, the, the brink in a way that makes that. Uh, yeah. more of a permanent thing. We see that happen with other populations all the time.
2: Sure. I think you're spot on there. Um, in fact, you know, a life upset it, um, could be a transportation issue, could be a, um, someone needs to move home, uh, a sick relative. Um, lots of things that maybe you and I and, uh, and, and our families are able to absorb and adjust to will just um, really be the catalyst that will send someone back over the, the financial cliff. And these work supports, you know, are dropped off then, and that they make too much money to get any type of assistance. Um, and so we're, 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 what we essentially have is policies, both at the federal and in the state level, that de-incentivize work rather than reward people for their industry and their diligence.
0: Okay, Philip Knight, Executive Director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, uh, has efforts underway to help federal workers who were affected by the partial government shutdown. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Up next, we're going to talk about the impact of the federal shutdown on the state's economy, yet another ripple from the stalemate in Washington. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining. We are talking about the various ripple effects of the partial government shutdown in Washington. We were talking about how it will impact people who are in uh, vulnerable economic situations and their families, uh, people who already receive government assistance, and some of the government workers who are now going without paychecks. we want going to broaden the lens just a little bit right now and talk about the shutdown's effects on Michigan's economy. And joining us to, to flesh that out is Charles Ballard. He is an economist at Michigan State University. Charles, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me on your program.
0: So let's talk about which sectors are most impacted in the state by something like a federal shutdown of the government
3: well i guess the good news is that so far the effects are relatively small um and it's also true that michigan i think is less affected in fact most of the country is likely to be less affected than the area of washington dc and maryland and, and northern virginia because the, so many more workers uh of the affected workers are there in that region, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there, there are effects. I, I can give you an example from my own family, my sister was planning uh, a trip uh, that included visiting some national parks. Um some of the national parks uh, in in warm weather areas that are that are nice to visit at this time of year and she's decided to cancel because uh, <laughs> the trash is not being collected and the bathrooms are not being serviced and so the national parks are a mess. Now in fact, one national park in California is closing. I don't know how many Michiganders are going to be unable to to go to national parks, but that's that's one thing. Um, the um National Transportation Safety Board is not investigating crashes. And so that has effect all over the country. Crop reports by the agriculture department are being are not being issued. Farmers rely on those reports. Uh we're not yet to planting season, but if that delay continues for long enough, that'll have an adverse effect on our agriculture system. Um the, the list goes on and on, but uh that's a oh and and I guess maybe my my one of the most ironic and interesting is that um, since the Justice Department is affected by this, judges in immigration cases have been, hundreds of judges who handle immigration cases have been furloughed. So there are now uh, lengthening delays in hearing um, cases associated with undocumented immigrants and asylum seekers, which of course is supremely ironic since that is sort of the, the source of the shutdown in the first place. Mm.
0: You, you know, one of the things that I think doesn't that doesn't always occur to people immediately when they think about something like a government shutdown is that the government and the money it spends uh, are are a big part of our economy overall. Right. I mean, if you if you divide Absolutely. our economy into sectors. The government sector is is an important part of it, and that keeps some of the other sectors going. Are we starting to see yet the effects of that withdrawal? In other words, because the government is partially shut down, is not spending as much money, and that has an effect on other parts of the economy?
3: I, I We've already seen it, I think um, – at uh, various uh, places near national parks all around the country and uh, some of the museums in Washington DC if you've got a business that relies on foot traffic uh, close to those locations those businesses have already been affected adversely I think beyond that the next big wave of a hit to the national economy and to the Michigan economy. It will happen tomorrow if this is not resolved because tomorrow is uh, the day when 800,000 affected federal workers will not get their paychecks unless something miraculous happens. Um, as I say, a lot of those are in the D.C. area, but there are some of those. There are federal workers in Michigan. Um, they're not going to get their paychecks and uh you know a lot of people rely on that paycheck let's face it uh, uh you've got a mortgage to pay you've got uh, groceries to buy for your family um, and those folks are going to be in serious financial trouble and they're going to have to cut back their spending where they can uh that will have ripple effects uh wherever those uh workers are uh and then uh, a sort of a related thing there are these stories that you may have heard uh transportation security administration uh workers in large numbers have been calling in sick um, because they're um, concerned that their livelihood is about to go away and some of them are believed to you know be looking for second jobs and stuff like that well that means that when i i'm traveling uh um, a couple of days from now, when I go to the airport on Sunday, I think I'm going to have to leave uh, a little bit more uh, more time. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, if you want to join the conversation here and uh, talk about the federal government shutdown and the effects that you're seeing here in the state of Michigan, give us a call, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. 1019 That's three one three five seven seven. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will try to work you into the conversation. My guest is uh, Charlie Ballard. He is a Michigan State University economist. Let's go to Dave in Ann Arbor. Dave, what's on your mind?
4: Yeah, hi, Stephen. My name is Dave Fanslow, and I'm the president of the AFG 3908 that represents NOAA's Great Lakes Environmental Research Lab in Ann Arbor. (laughs) And I just wanted to draw everybody's attention to the fact that there's a lot of science right now not being done that's going to have a long-term ripple effect um, on the economy, like you were mentioning. Our laboratory runs a bunch of supercomputers that are crunching data that's used to develop the next generation weather forecasting models and how the Great Lakes interact with weather systems as they move over Michigan and the Midwest, that's not being done whatsoever right now. So the Weather Service actually uses those experimental models to supplement their normal operational models, and they don't have that option right now. Hmm. Um, Another thing we're missing out on is ice data. Um, Our laboratory is completely shut, and it's the only place that collects ice data in real time so the shipping industry can look and see, you know, is Green Bay jammed with ice? Is, you know, the Straits of Mackinac open or jammed? When they want to move boats around, this time of year they still move boats around and do stuff. So there's a an immediate direct impact there.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, Dave, I'm really glad you called and shared that information with us. That's the kind of thing that I wouldn't have known about unless, unless you called, but it is— a really great example of, again, the, the, the very far reach of government activity and spending and the way that uh, pulling that back uh, through a shutdown uh, has an effect on uh, lots of other people and, and things. So, Dave, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Angela in Detroit. Angela, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hi, thank you. I've been listening to this and getting a brilliant idea. The idea is that it not be a partial shutdown, which is getting at all these low-level people we're talking about, <clears throat> but a complete shutdown, including the president, so that until all of the people we've elected in uh, Washington have f- helped us fill up the $500 billion that the president wants, when we get that much saved from not paying paychecks, then... Everybody can go back to work, and the president can have his wall. How about that,
0: <laughs> Angela? That is a very creative solution to the problem that we're that we're facing. I really appreciate the thought you put into that, uh, Charlie Ballard. Talk about uh, talk about whether that's possible. Is is a total government shutdown possible? First of all, I'm not I'm not certain. I've ever heard of something like that. And if we did, would it save the money? The five billion dollars that uh, the president wants for his wall.
3: Uh, well, I I think a total. I, I don't, I've never heard of anybody uh, seriously considering a complete government shutdown. That would mean uh, that the uh, all of our military would have to stand down. Right. Uh, we would have you know all all of our missile defense would would shut down. Uh, you know there are certain things that are really viewed as essential. But you know the comment from Dave, your earlier caller. Uh, we're trying to remind people that there are a lot of things that, well, maybe they're not as essential as uh, the military, but they're pretty darn important. And uh, I think this this speaks to a a big problem that we've had in America for decades. Uh, When uh, Ronald Reagan said the nine most dangerous words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. That kind of broad-brush characterization of, quote, government, end quote, I think it's been very damaging because it's made people forget that government is police protection. It's fire protection. It's the, the weather services, as your caller was talking about. It's um, it's Social Security. It's Medicare. It's Medicaid. Uh, it, it w- there are lots of things. The vast majority of things that government does are things that, in fact, have wide approval, and yet we have this, this mantra about, well, we don't like big government, and so there's a sort of a disconnect there. Um, but I don't think that we're likely to get ever a total government shutdown. I think that would be a, a dangerous thing. Uh, but you know, if you were to shut down everything, it would, it would save money. It would uh, save money, sure. That's, that's definitely true. And the president is only asking – well, only. He's asking for $5.7 billion. And uh, that's a lot of money, but against the um, background of a government – total government budget, which is uh, pushing up toward $4 trillion, it's, it's not all that huge. Uh,
0: again, thanks for the call and the suggestions there. Angela, let's go to T.J. in Ann Arbor. T.J., I've only got about a minute left, but I wanted to make sure to get you in here.
4: Good morning, Stephen. Thank you. Sure. Um, I'm the national representative for the American Federation of Government Employees. uh, And uh, one thing Dave from NOAA forgot to mention was that we'll be holding a rally at the federal building in Detroit, the McNamara Building on Michigan, today at noon. Uh, Anybody who uh, agrees with the uh, federal workers that the shutdown should end should come and join us.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm glad you called and uh, reminded us of that, uh, TJ. Uh, if people feel really strongly about uh, Congress getting this resolved with the president, uh, that is definitely one way to show it is to show up at uh, at a rally. Uh, Charlie, before I let you go, uh, again, I've got a, uh, just a little bit of time left, but but talk about what you think a reasonable compromise might look like here to get the government back open. <laughs>
3: A whether a compromise is possible that depends upon political factors and uh, who knows. Uh, I did hear Senator Paul of Kentucky yesterday say split the difference. President's asking for five plus billion, give him two and a half and, and uh, open up the government. I don't actually think that's going to happen, at least not right away, because I believe that the Democrats feel that they're in a very strong position because a majority of Americans, according to surveys, uh, do not side with the president on they this oppose, issue
0: they oppose the wall. that's right yeah OK, Charlie Ballard, Michigan State University economist, always great to hear from you here. On Thank Detroit you Steve.. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow and I hope you will too. Always remember that if you had to miss any of today's show, you really don't have to miss out on the conversation. If you go to iTunes or wherever it is that you download podcasts, you can download And subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you, and you can listen to us whenever you are ready. I will be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.